The Atlanta Braves drop a series finale in San Francisco and in their West Coast trip with a 4-4 and record, but come back home just a half game back in the NL East as the New York Mets were swept by the Cubs. We'll talk about what's left for both teams and what the Atlanta Braves have to do in order to win the division. All of that on today's episode of Locked On Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Locked On Braves, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, where we're covering your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shorts.ball. And check out my bio there to see where I'm covering the game of baseball. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter as well at LockedOn underscore Braves. Send in any comments, questions, or feedback that you have for the podcast. Make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube. And if you're watching on YouTube, please hit that thumbs up button and that notification bell to help support the show. And thanks for making Lockdown Braves your first listen every day. We post episodes daily, five days a week, Monday through Friday, on our free and available on all platforms. On today's episode, going to recap Wednesday's loss to the Giants, talk about Charlie Morton, his continued inconsistencies, talk about the offensive struggles once again in a day game. But then I want to turn my attention to what's left on the schedule, both for the Braves and the Mets, as those teams are in a tight race here down the stretch, and then give you some news, some updates when Ozzy Albies could potentially be returning to the Braves. Let's start with Wednesday's game, a 4-1 to a loss to the San Francisco Giants. Uh, the Braves lose a second straight series. It's the first time they have lost back-to-back series since the middle of May. And the Braves haven't been swept all year, knock on wood, that that continues. But it shows you the, you know, the consistency really of this team all year long. Yes, they've had, you know, some bad stretches, but none of them really extended I mean again they haven't lost back-to-back series since the middle of May and even in their bad stretch in April and May they never got swept and that's really kind of been the calling card of this team is yeah they'll go through some bad stretches you know they'll lose a couple of games here or there lose a series here or there but they never let that linger too long and let's hope that's the case here as again the Braves lose their first back-to-back series since the middle of May Hopefully they got that behind them and they finished strong, start playing some good baseball down the stretch. As I said, they finished the West Coast trip four and four after a good start in Oakland. They lose the series in Seattle and then won against the Giants. All remaining games will be on in the Eastern time zone. We'll talk about that more later as we look at the final stretch for both the Braves and the Mets. Mets got swept by the Cubs. The Braves are getting plenty of help. From some teams under 500, the Cubs actually swept the Mets, so the Braves remain just a half game back. The Mets do play on Thursday while the Braves are idle, so it's likely possible we go into the weekend with the Braves trailing by a game. But still, you know, you go four and four on a West Coast trip, you know, not all that terrible, but you don't really lose much ground, if any at all, in the NL East, and you know that really puts the Braves in a good spot down the stretch. But let's talk about Wednesday's game. Charlie Morton on the mound went five and a third innings, allowed just four hits, but 
walked a couple of batters, hit a couple of batters. He leads all of Major League Baseball with 16 uh, hit batters. He did strike out seven, but he allows four earned runs and 96 pitches, and it's really just more of the same that we've seen from Charlie Morton this year, just inconsistencies start to start, inning to inning, sometimes even pitch to pitch. Really that curveball, which is so good for him when it's on, and he threw it the majority of the time on Wednesday, and it is such a good pitch. But when he leaves it up or it backs up on him, and you saw it a couple of times on Wednesday, it gets hit hard. And I think that's been, you know, a big problem for him this year. You know, he's he's given up a lot of home runs as well. I think a lot of them have come on that hanging breaking ball. So he just has to find, here's that word again, consistency with that curveball. Too many times he's leaving it up. And when that's happened, it gets hit really hard, as you saw on Wednesday. Three ball, three curveballs put in play by the Met by the Giants all with an average exit velocity of 93.5 miles per hour. So, again, I think that's a pitch that is his bread and butter. It's what he goes to. He needs to throw it. He just has to do a better job of locating it and making sure he keeps it out of the upper part of the strike zone. He came out for the sixth inning. Again, as much as he had battled in this game, he gave himself a chance to go back out for the sixth inning, got the first batter out in Jock Peterson, but then he hit another batter, and then he walked another batter. And then Jesse Chavez came into the game, and Chavez wasn't able to extinguish the flame. He walked the first batter that he faced to load the bases with one out, then got a pop-up, and then faced a number nine hitter, and he thought, okay, maybe he's going to get out of it, but gives up a big hit for two more runs for the Giants. And with the way the Braves offense was going and the way they typically go in day games, that really kind of Felt like it was it. You felt like if you kept it a one-run game that perhaps the Braves could strike back, maybe run into one and tie the game up or take the lead. But that right there to me was kind of the moment in this game. You gave up that hit, that two-out hit with the bases loaded, made it a 4-1 game there in the sixth inning. Kind of felt like it was putting it out of reach, although I never feel like this Braves offense is out of it. But just with the way things were playing out, you know, being a day game, a getaway day, just kind of felt like, that was a nail in the coffin, and it was Austin Wins that did it, and Austin Wins becoming a huge nemesis of the Atlanta Braves. He has seven RBI against the Braves this season alone, three of them coming in the game on Wednesday, all of them coming with two outs. So it's just frustrating that a number nine hitter uh, pretty much did you in on this day. You know, you get Austin Wins out, a guy you should get out, And, you know, that's a 1-1 game potentially, and the Braves have a chance late. But uh, they got beat by Austin Wins. You can call it the Austin Wins game if you want to, and it's just unfortunate to see a number nine hitter doing that to you. I mentioned the offense wasn't really able to get much of anything going. One run, six hits, one walk, 13 strikeouts. We knew strikeouts would be a problem with Carlos Rodon on the mound. He struck out eight batters in five innings. And then he actually left the game early. I think he had at least another inning in him, if not more. Uh, but he left the game early with a blister. But the Braves had no extra base hits. And we talked about this after Monday's game, how much this Braves lineup really struggles when they're not getting the doubles, when they're not getting the homers. They really struggle to score runs. And especially they're not getting walks either. And they're striking out 10-plus times. Certainly was the case on Wednesday. Again, six hits, one walk, and 13 strikeouts. 
no extra base hits, and that's why they only scored one run. They couldn't get anything going against any of the Giants relievers despite having four hits over the last four innings. Brought the tying run to the plate in the eighth inning in the form of Ron Acuna Jr., but he strikes out on a pitch well off the plate away. I will say the pitch before that was way outside, and the umpire called it a strike, possibly leading to Acuna feeling like he needed to go after that pitch. Again, I'm not trying to blame this game on the umpires by any means, but certainly was a bad call there. Put Acuna in a tough spot, but still he's got to be better. Uh, He's got to put the ball in play there. And then Dansby hit a ball hard, 99 miles per hour, but right to the center fielder to line out and end that threat. It really felt like the only – real threat that the Braves had in the final four innings. You know, Duvall, the Giants closer, struck out the side in the ninth, uh, so nothing really got going there. And it's really the top of the order for the Braves that struggled in this one. Acuna, Swanson, Riley, and Olsen go over 12 with seven strikeouts. And, you know, kind of highlighted the struggles of Riley and Olsen on this West Coast trip. Riley, over his last seven games, three for 28, two walks, nine strikeouts, has one home run. That came on a 3-0 pitch from Marco Gonzalez. Matt Olson in his last seven games, two for 26, two walks, and eight strikeouts. So your number three and four hitters in your lineup struggling like that, it makes sense that the offense is struggling right now. Need those two guys to get hot. Look, I'd rather them slump now, and I'd rather this offense struggle like they are right now then in a couple of weeks or when the postseason gets going. So hopefully they're getting that out of their system. Robbie Grossman picking things up a little bit, though. He had three hits on Wednesday, drove in the only run of the game for the Braves. And in his last seven games, he's eight for 23 with two homers, eight runs batted in, two walks, a four strikeouts, and a 400 on base percentage. So he is playing really well as of late for the Braves. I do want to mention Ronald Acuna Jr. moved to or went back into the field in this game, playing in right field for the first time since August 26th. Um, So that was great to see. Don't know if that had any effect on his over four performance at the plate or not, but certainly great to see him back in the outfield. Like I mentioned on yesterday's podcast, I think the Braves will continue to do that and put him back out there, you know, on a day to day basis down the stretch in hopes that in the postseason he can be out there every day because. You know, obviously makes your outfield defense a lot better. And, which we'll talk about later with Ozzy Albies coming back, opens up that DH spot for Vaughn Grissom or whoever you need to put in there. All right, next I want to turn our attention to the final stretch. The Braves come back home uh, after their last West Coast trip of the year. What do they have left? What do they have to do to catch the Mets and stay ahead of the Mets? We'll talk about that next. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week's games. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sport wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf, is to head to the website and use their mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. The final stretch for the Atlanta Braves begins at Truist Park on Friday night as the Braves take on the Philadelphia Phillies. The Braves have 19 games left, nine of them at home, 10 of them obviously on the road, all 19 remaining games will be on the East Coast, all against 
NL East teams. They have 10 games against teams above 500 with seven against the Phillies and three against the Mets. And then they have six games against teams below 500, that being, or no, they have nine games against teams below 500, six against the Nats and three against the Marlins to finish the season. The Braves enter this final stretch at 88 and 55. Uh, the Braves won 88 games last year, so they've already met that total. You kind of look at the schedule the rest of the way, and I think 13 and 6 down the stretch is doable if the Braves play like they're capable of. I think that's a pretty safe bet um, the rest of the way. That would put them with a 101 and 61 record. That should easily earn them the top wild card spot. You know, especially they win these couple of series against the Phillies, who are, I believe, seven and a half games behind the Braves for that top wild card spot. Now, that is big because the Braves would host that wild card series, which, as it stands right now, would come against the Phillies. So, very important games here against the Phillies. You know, it could determine ultimately who the Braves play in that first round if indeed they do earn that top wild card spot. Braves could. You know, they play well enough, could knock the Phillies off that spot, could knock them out of the postseason altogether. I think they have a pretty good lead over the the Brewers, who are the first team out in the wild card right now. But uh, it will be interesting to see how these seven games go against the Braves and Phillies. Zach Wheeler at least won't be here for this series, but could be back for the next one. But Bryce Harper is back. Philly's been playing pretty well lately. So will be a very interesting seven games left against the Phillies. As for the Mets, they have 18 games left. I mentioned they have one tonight uh, against the Pirates, so they have a chance to pick up a half game on Thursday. But 18 games left, nine at home, um, so nine on the road, obviously. They have a short West Coast trip in there, very odd. They go out to the West Coast for three games against the A's, but they have an off day before and after that three-game series, so that's really nice. Um Everything else is either in the Eastern or Central time zone. They have 12 games left against teams below 500. They start a series on Thursday with four against the Pirates. Then I mentioned that three-game West Coast trip against the A's, two against the Marlins, and three against the Nats. And then six games against teams above 500, three against the Brewers who are fighting for a playoff spot, and three against the Braves. And the Mets enter Thursday night with an 89 and 55 record. Like I said, a half game above the Braves. And um, I think a 12 and six record seems pretty reasonable for the Mets down the stretch. Again, assuming like they play like they have most of the years, but like the or most of the year. But like I said, with the Braves, Braves, you know, struggle a little bit on that West Coast trip. Mets obviously struggling a little bit here in September. Their offense in particular, but. I still think 12-6, and a pretty doable record for the Mets down the stretch. That would also put them at 101-61, and the exact same record I have projected for the Braves. And if that's the case, that's not good for the Braves. The Braves and Mets cannot tie at the end of the season as the Mets would hold the tiebreaker. The Mets currently lead the season series at 9-7, so... Unless the Braves sweep the Mets in Atlanta in that last series, the Mets will hold the tiebreaker. So even if the Braves win that series, all the Mets have to do is win one of those games and they would hold the tiebreaker. So again, even if the Braves win that final series and the two teams tie, the Mets would win the NL East. So it's almost getting to the point, unless the Braves go into that series up a game or two, 
that the Braves are almost going to have to sweep that series against the Mets if they're going to win the division. I mean, winning that series, you would pick up a game, but again, the Mets would hold the tiebreaker. So it's almost, you know, as close as things are, it's really kind of crazy to say, but it's almost like the Braves have to sweep that series if they're going to win the NL East, unless they go into that series up a game or two. Um, so, you know, that's kind of the goal here for the next you know week or so ahead of that series. Can the Braves get ahead of the Mets in the division? I think if they do that, then you like your odds a lot better, you know, if the Braves can go into that series and win that series. And obviously you want to be ahead of the Mets as much as possible, as early as possible, and try to build on that lead. But just kind of set your expectations for that series. You know, you can't go into that series just hoping that the Braves are going to, you know, win the series and gain ground. If you don't go into that series ahead, then you're pretty much having to sweep the Mets in order to win the division. And it's ultimately going to ultimately going to come down to, you know, does one team finish really strong? Do the Braves, you know, get hot and win 15, 16 games down the stretch? Or do the Mets get hot and do that? Or does one of these teams choke and Look, I've said it all year. I think this Mets team is different. I don't think they're the team of the past that, you know, will choke at the end and hand this thing over. But they've struggled against these teams below 500 here in September. So they are a little banged up. Obviously, Max Scherzer down. You know, Starling Marte is down right now. So they're a little banged up. Their offense is struggling. Um, but I still think this Mets team is good. I think the Braves are going to have to earn it. But when you look at the final stretch for both teams, you know, who's going to step up, you know, who's going to get hot or are one of these teams going to choke? Both are headed to the postseason. It's just whether or not they're going to have to play in that. And both are likely going to host a first round series, whoever it is. Um, so really, it's just a matter of, you know, who can win the division, who can avoid that first round. So we'll see who steps up down the stretch the most. Hopefully, it'll be the Atlanta Braves. All right, next, I want to turn our attention to some news. Got some bad news from Ian Anderson, but some potentially good news for the Braves and Aussie Albies. We'll talk about that next. It was reported on Wednesday that Ian Anderson is dealing with an oblique strain that he suffered while pitching at Gwinnett, and so he will be out for the rest of the year. Tough year for Ian Anderson. Um, obviously, we all know about the struggles at the big league level. Things were not great for him when he went down to Gwinnett either. Obviously, I've talked about, you know, he's working on things. But now this injury kind of just shelving him for the rest of the season. You know, I thought perhaps there was an outside chance that the Braves could put him on the postseason roster just because of how great he's been in the postseason. Um, you know, that wasn't a very likely scenario. Now it's definitely not gonna happen as he is uh, dealing with this oblique injury so you know just go to work this offseason is all I can say to Ian Anderson you know go to work come back you know have a big next season you know work on things this offseason you know what you need to work on now you have a whole offseason plus to do so come back next year you know incorporate those things and hopefully be you know the middle of the top of the rotation we all know that Ian Anderson can be that's for some good news. Ozzy Albies tripled on Wednesday, showing off the wheels, running around the bases, so that's good to see. He's now 9 for 27 on his rehab assi assignment after a very slow start. Also made a nice play in the field. We know how great he is defensively. And there's a chance we see him with the team on Friday. 
Um, I think it's uh, I think it's becoming a very good chance we see him join the Braves at home on Friday for the series against the Phillies. And the Braves kind of need some energy coming off a bit of a lackluster ending to their West Coast trip. I think now would be a good time to insert Ozzy Albies in the lineup. Again, kind of bring a spark like Michael Harris, like Juan Grissom have done earlier in the year. Uh, you bring back one of your clubhouse leaders in Ozzy Albies. Hopefully he gets hot. We know at least he'll play some great defense. You know, I talked about Von Grissom and, you know, his defense in that game on Monday. And, again, some of those were tough plays. But I think they're plays that Ozzy Albies, you know, probably makes. And perhaps that makes a difference in that game. So we know what Ozzy can do defensively. Hopefully he can get hot at the plate. Again, hopefully he can provide a spark for this lineup, at least kind of bring some energy to this team down the stretch that they need. So I think that could be really big if he comes back. Then the question becomes what happens with Vaughn Grissom. You know, that's why I mentioned so big Ronald Acuna returning to right field on Wednesday. Hopefully we see some more of that and you can put Grissom in the DH spot. I think we start to see Grissom maybe work his way into the outfield a little bit. I mean, Ozuna was good for a weekend when the Braves put him back in the lineup. He was completely lost against Rodon on Wednesday. Rosario, he loves hitting in San Francisco, but, you know, what else has he really done outside of that? So uh, I think we may see Grissom get some starts in, in left field over the weekend or at least over the next week if Ozzy does return on Friday. So all that will play itself out, but, you know, having Ozzy back, leading your clubhouse, I think could be really big for this team. And then Mike Soroka, he's going to make another start for Gwinnett on Friday, which means we are scheduled to get another start from Jake Odorizzi this weekend as he'll pitch against the Phillies on Saturday. Um, I, this was kind of expected. I said, you know, after, you know, Soroka's yet to go five innings in a game. He's yet to throw more than 76 pitches. So hopefully he's able to do that on Friday. Hopefully he has some better results. And hopefully next time through the rotation, we see Soroka make a start. That would certainly be great to see for him. And just as a fan of him, I would love to see him come back and be able to do that for the Braves this year. And then lastly, the Rome Braves play game two of the South Atlantic League Division Series on Thursday night. They're up 1-0 in that series. So if you have the ability and you have some time with the Braves off on Thursday, maybe check that game out and cheer on the Rome Braves there in the single A uh, postseason. That will do it for this episode of Lockdown Braves. Thanks again for making Lockdown Braves your first listen of the day. Now go make Locked On MLB your second listen of the day, where Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and a unique perspective from every team talking about the biggest stories from around the league. Again, thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. You can follow me at ShortstopBall. Also, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacy Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 